Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Sacktown Royalty Show. I'm your host, Tony Subterras, and joining me on the podcast this week is Sacktown Royalty's own photojournalist, Kimani Okira. Kimani, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Sacramento, what's up? How y'all doing? Oh, wait, this is a podcast, not a call-in show. That's, that is in the works, kind of. Like, in the back of my mind, a little spoiler for, uh, I don't know, next season, but I would love to do some call-in shows and some, like, voicemails. That would be great. That would be pretty fun. I think we would have fun with that. But, at least for this season, we are approaching the end of the best King season in over a decade. And as someone, I'm talking about you, who has spent countless hours in that arena, on the sidelines, snapping pictures, from your perspective, how has this season felt compared to every other season you've worked at these Kings games? Have you felt a difference because of the winning? Has the atmosphere in that arena felt different since the Kings became... Uh, I don't know, like everyone's favorite up-and-coming team, or has it been business as usual over there for you? My approach has been business as usual, but I've got got caught right up in the atmosphere. Um, This is my sixth season full-time, seventh season overall, and you're right, this is the first good team I've covered, and that kind of makes me a little sad. (laughs) (laughs) I get a little emotional about that, because you're right, it's uh, countless hours, Game nights are, are eight-hour days for me oftentimes, so uh, it's it's been honestly great. It's been so rewarding seeing the young guys grow, like taking that take a take that step. We've been through this. We you know we um, we saw we we we've had rookies to get excited about before. We've had young players get excited about before. But we've never seen them take this step. We almost got there with Demarcus and Mike Malone and and, and that squad. Almost, it was it was it was headed in that direction, and then uh, it got cut off at the knees. But we're right back to that, um, like floating in that position. These guys remind me a lot of the Denver Nuggets last year. I know that's been said, but uh, and I don't think they're I don't think they're going to turn up next year and win close to fifty six games. Like, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, I think they will be a playoff team next year, and I um, I hope to be back doing this again next year. Yeah, the reason why I ask you that question is because I've struggled with this a little bit on my end too like trying to figure out or or learn or teach myself how to talk about um a good team or how how to write about a good team because I've never had the opportunity to do that yet um I've been with STR you know it's a it's a part-time gig but for the past I don't know four or five years kind of lost count and They've been a very bad team, and not only bad, but also irrelevant when in the grand scheme of things. Like, they're very relevant for the people in Sacramento and the Kings fans that we talk to, talk with all day long. For, for those people, the Kings are very relevant, but for the NBA fan uh, in general, or just, I don't know, as an NBA team, I, I could not picture a more irrelevant franchise for the last 10-plus years than the Kings. And now they're very relevant, like the, the amount of good articles, positive feedback, the, the amount of people who have no association to Sacramento at all that have called this team like their favorite NBA story of the year or their favorite league pass team. That's stuff that's, um, that's number one, awesome to hear, and number two, just very uh, foreign as, you know, like you and like me who are, are trying to cover this team in some capacity. And it's, again, for me, it's been definitely... Um, a learning experience where the team you're you're talking about like there isn't always a punchline you don't need to make a joke every time you don't just say oh but it's the kings like the the fact that things are are really turning at least we hope and i think you know that will be the case so long as some of the the background drama doesn't um 
kind of take over what, what good is happening here. And I'm talking about like the stuff with Brandon Williams and Jaeger and, and Vlade and the contract negotiations they need to go through the summer. If all that stuff stays straight, I think this team is finally, finally, finally on like the path back to the playoffs, which is, again, just super exciting. I, I completely, a thousand percent agree with you. And then I would like to touch on the fan atmosphere at Golden One Center as Definitely. well. Yeah. It's, I felt like every game's been a sellout this season. I can't. It's been packed every single game. And the t- what we see on the TV, it never tells the whole story because fans are always up walking around. And so um, in the first half on TV, the Golden One Center always looks a little bit like, you know, it's, it's, there's no fans in the seats. But those fourth quarters are insane. It just reminds me, it, it takes me back to Arco Arena. Everybody's jumping. You look around, it's a sea of arms around you. Uh, you, you can feel it. You can feel everything coming down on you. And uh, that, must, that just must be a small taste of what it's like to be a player out there, you know? Definitely. So. And, and like you mentioned before, um, like, there have been uh, reasons to be optimistic for this team over the past, you know, decade of losing that we keep talking about. It hasn't been all bad. The record has been all bad. But, like, there has been little blips where, like, you can kind of see things turning the corner like Tyreek Evans one rookie of the year and you think all right maybe Tyreek's the guy that will make this team win again and then DeMarcus Cousins comes here the first all-star the Kings have had in so long you think maybe DeMarcus Cousins will be the guy to uh to bring the winning but kind of what we knew all along is that the only solution to the problem here is you got to win games and that's what this team is doing that those other teams didn't do it's what Tyreek Evans couldn't do when it was his team and it's what DeMarcus Cousins couldn't do when it was his team. It's not all those guys' fault. There's clearly, you know, management errors and coaching errors that go into that as well. But the fact that this team is actually, actually winning um, makes me more optimistic than anything, more optimistic than the fact that Marvin Bagley looks like a, a great young player or, you know, De'Aaron Fox, but he, all these guys are developing. But the fact that the Kings were in that playoff conversation and their record is respectable, that's what... That's what makes this one feel different than all those little uh, periods of optimism uh, in the past. Yeah, I mean, we, well, it was down to uh, the last eight games when we were mathematically eliminated. That, that's that's uh, that's it's just a new flavor. It's just right. a new flavor yep. of basketball. And I, I just <clears throat> just you don't have to edit around it. That was my ringtone in the background of your question there. That little hey, <laughs> I have the hey uh, sound from Ocarina of Time as my text ring. Oh, that did sound like a Navi. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what that was. That I, I use that like as that. my text ring tone, so that way it's like so jarring that I have to look at it. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, it works. It works. I was going to ask you. You know, we kind of talked about the differences between this year and years prior. Do you have a favorite, uh, I guess I would say, either moment being there live or a favorite photo that you've taken this season? My favorite moment so far was uh, the Bogdan game winner against L.A. That was nuts. I mean, that was, it's, it was storybook for uh, the Kings. You know, a buzzer-beating game winner. The, uh, the play was just a, be- a beautiful play. Um, against the Lakers? Nah, like that's... It doesn't top it like I, that. That hasn't been top this season for me. Um, as far as the favorite photo, I, I have favorite photos for each player, but I won't. I won't go through every player. But like for Buddy Heald, my favorite photo is him squaring up with um, one of the Morris twins, the one that was on Washington. Yeah, the Kings got into the mix with a few of those guys this year. Yeah, he, I, mean, I think he that was, Harry Giles had a had a little thing with one of the Morris twins too. That's right. That's right. 
And I, I think it was Markeith that was trying to bully Buddy. And Buddy just didn't back down at all, stood right, squared right up to him. And then I got the picture where they're, uh, you know, it just it looks like it's about to be a heavyweight fight. That's Buddy. And, and it's, um, it's one of my favorite moments that I captured on photograph because it really just, like, this was a new Kings team. I'm not saying that DeMarcus wouldn't have done the same thing, but it was just that was a young guy who's been talked about a lot in this league standing up for himself. Mm-hmm. That, that, was a, that was a key moment. And uh, for De'Aaron Fox, I had a, a shot where he's kind of trolling what Russell Westbrook in that win um, in Golden 1 Center in November, where they were kind of going back and forth at each other, and De'Aaron got the best of them that game. And uh, that was the game where I feel like fans really knew that De'Aaron was taking another step this season. Yeah, that's a um, that was a really interesting dynamic watching the Russell Westbrook De'Aaron Fox battle all year in all their games this season. Because I remember after uh, I forget which game it was, it might have been the first game where the Kings beat the Thunder, and uh, post game they asked Aaron Fox like about going toe to toe with Russell Westbrook, and he revealed that Westbrook was like his favorite player in the league growing up. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, but they were, I mean, they went at it like that was not friendly all the time like fox and russ they were they were really going at each other and that rivalry yeah. continued through all the games you know past where fox said that it was more battling more battling i know uh i think at one point in one of the games westbrook lost because i think the kings either swept the thunder or they went three and one against them this year they had a really good record against the thunder and russ did his uh rock the baby like celebration that he does when he bullies smaller point guards in the post. He, he does it to almost every point guard that he gets a, a post bucket on. And he did it to Fox in one of those games. And I, know, I saw like Fox looking at him, and like they, they just had that very competitive back and forth. And then I was listening to, um, uh, I don't know if you heard their most recent road tripping podcast with Doug Christie and De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. But uh, Christie sort of asks him about that, and he asks Fox, you know, uh, who was your fa- who's who's your favorite player growing up? And uh, Darren Fox said Kevin Garnett, and Doug Christie said, "Oh, I thought like earlier in the year you said it was Russ." And like Fox kind of said stuff without saying stuff and mentioned like I don't know. It was just a interesting how Fox kind of walked that back and sort of walked around like the the Russ rivalry. And I think that's a a, a cool thing and a, and a very good thing that Fox is kind of starting to realize like how competitive this league is. And I don't know if it's too healthy to um i don't know if idolize is the right word but to i, I, I don't know you're like you're competing with russ now you can't look at him yeah. like this guy you grew up wanting to be and seeing yeah. that uh development from fox and his just fearlessness not backing down against russ because a lot of a lot of players would and he's a very imposing player you you mentioning that photo just reminded me how you know this season has been so there's been so many moments this season but one of them i don't totally want to lose sight of is that uh Westbrook Fox rivalry that's starting to build that should be fun watching into the future. And you know what blew my mind about it after uh, that first matchup was that Russ is ten years older than De'Aaron. Ten years. That's crazy. A full a full decade. It it made, it, that should make everybody who's listening feel old. Mm-hmm. So because <laughs> Russ is a, he's thirty, so uh, you know that's that that really blew my mind. It just kind of goes to show you the how fast this league moves, you know? Mm-hmm. One more point on that road trip and podcast, and I wrote about it the other day um, on STR, is that another topic of discussion came about, uh, Doug Christie brought up, like, how many dunks De'Aaron Fox has this year. And Fox is very quick to mention that he has more dunks than Russell Westbrook does this year, which is, again, another thing that if someone just told me, 
Like, who has more dunks, De'Aaron Fox or Russell Westbrook? My mind just, I would have instinctively said, oh, it's, it's Westbrook. We see his dunk highlights all the time. We see, I feel like I see him dunk 10 times a game. When in reality, I think Fox has something like 40 dunks this year and, and Westbrook has uh, only 30, which surprised me. But just another little, I, I wouldn't say it was a dig at Westbrook, but I like seeing Fox get feisty with these guys and say, no, 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 I actually have more dunks than Russ this year. He said that on the podcast, which I thought was fun. Hey, they're, they're coming for him. These guys are coming for the league. And I, I think they're, they're going to have a nice window over the next three to four years where, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. I'll put it that way. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, we actually tried to schedule a podcast closer to this event. It just didn't work out for uh, reasons that I, I think were my fault. But how was uh, Charlotte? You went to Charlotte for All-Star Weekend for, I think it was the first time, correct? Yeah, my first All-Star game. So I was an all-star did, I, this year. I mean, I wish I had a more specific conversation. You were an all-star this year. You were our represent, representative from SCU. Yes, I found all all-star. <laughs> um, so how was Charlotte? I've never been to an all-star weekend. Tell me what it's like. I loved Charlotte. Um, I, I did do a Lens Face episode for the Rising Stars game, and I, um, have, I have not caught up on Lens Face since then. So, but uh, Charlotte was amazing. I love the city. It was kind of weird because there's like two highways that go around the city center, and um, One's a, and they're both big circles. So you got a smaller circle and a, a much larger circle. Um, so I felt that was kind of out of like a dystopian future. <laughs> but uh, um, I had a great time in Charlotte. The, it, it was interesting seeing a smaller city handle an event like that because you could really see Sacramento doing it. And, uh, you know, their arena's downtown. Uh, every, everything having to do with basketball comes to town. Every shoe company, any kind of luxury clothing brand, luxury watches, everybody's coming to town. And, and so all of this fanfare and, and excitement is just happening in the city center. And then you have the actual events. I can't wait for it to come to Sacramento. That's the, when I was in Charlotte the entire time, I was thinking, ah, oh, Sacramento could do this. We could do this. This could be fun. And I think it'll happen in the next few years. You bring up an interesting point that I totally didn't even think about, and this is probably because I'm, I'm not a Sacramento native. I've only been there once in my entire life. But how does um, Charlotte compare to Sacramento as a city? Like you mentioned how it's another kind of small market that could pull off something like this. Is it that comparable? Like you think Sacramento can handle it if, if Charlotte could? I've never been to either, either city, so I can't, you know, I have no comment there. Well, Sacramento's a lot bigger in terms of population and, and the sprawl. But um, in terms of uh, the city centers, they're very similar looking. Uh, I would describe Charlotte as Sacramento, but if you hit space bar. Okay. Or if you, like, double space it. Sure. <laughs> so what was your uh, interaction with the Kings there? I know they weren't involved in every event, but did you see, I don't know, from your perspective, did you see guys like Bogey and Buddy and De'Aaron Fox out there doing their, uh, doing their NBA star thing? Yeah, I can, I can, I'll walk you through my, uh, my weekend. Go ahead. Um, yeah, that'd be great. So... Friday, we did the media day with the, the Rising Stars, and that was at a place called Bojangles Coliseum, I think where the old Hornets played. And that was, that was a neat little walk through history, because never in my life would I, would I uh, be thinking that I'd find myself in the arena that, you know, fans were celebrating Muggsy Bogues back in the day. Um, but what was interesting to me is walking around and seeing the, the Kings players, and it, uh, myself and um, Russ Steiger from the Sacramento Observer, you know, we were some of the only local media members there, and Jason Anderson from the B. Um, so when the Kings players saw us, their faces got noticeably a little bit brighter because they're surrounded by a sea of strangers, and all of a sudden, oh, thank goodness, some familiarity. Mm -hmm. That was a nice experience on media day. Um, and then they did the Rising Stars shoot-around where uh, 
I got a lot of great pictures of Luca and Bogdan interacting. They were having a blast. You can tell those guys are really good friends. Yeah, even when they played each other this year. I think, um, was it Bogey that either dunked like around Luca or they, he had some nice move on Luca and kind of like flashed him a smile. Oh, he dunked all over. Was it, yeah, yeah. He and then he uh, he gave me a high five in the locker room afterward for my shot of that dunk. So oh, nice. And then the Rising Stars game on on Friday night was uh, really fun. You know, I, Fox and Luca jumped the tip, which was uh, hilarious. But uh, you could just tell these guys, this new class of NBA star. We're we're all the NBA heads. We're gonna have a lot of fun for a lot of years with these guys. These guys are these guys are special. Trey Young, Luca, DeAndre Ayton, um, Bagley, Fox. Donovan Mitchell, all these guys. I mean, this is, this is special. So we're lucky. Saturday was, uh, I actually woke up kind of late, so I didn't get to do any of the media stuff. Processing everything from Friday took me till deep, uh, till really early in the morning. So I, I slept in a little bit, but Saturday was a blast too. Seeing, uh, Buddy Heald come up short in the three point contest was a little disappointing. Um, and then the, the, the ending of the skill shot competition where, uh, Trey Young, shot Fox's ball out of the air. That was pretty funny. But so I wish the Kings could have pulled out a victory in one of those events, but uh, alas, you know, they, they, they did not. Okay. So going to the dunk contest, that was really fun. Cause that was my first time ever seeing an NBA dunk contest. Um, and I thought John Collins was robbed. I'm just going to say that right now. I thought he should have uh, been able to get to the second round, but the, it would, that was, that was impressive. And I was really happy with the way my shots turned out of that event. Um, Sunday, Really low pressure for me, no Kings involved, so I didn't do the, the media day Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, but I did go to the game, and that was, that was as you would expect it to be. It was a lot of celebrities, uh, all, every single NBA player with, uh, with a known name was there. All, all in all, it was a great experience. I cannot wait for Sacramento to host the All-Star game, and, and Charlotte was a great host city. If Sacramento does host a game, that'll get me up there, for sure. There, there was two things that I said would get me back out to Sacramento, and that would be um, a playoff game and All-Star Weekend. Those would be two would ones that would if, be, uh, for sure, destinations. If we, if we held the All-Star game in Sacramento, we would have to do our best to try to get all the STR guys together for that. I think that would happen. I think that's a big enough event where, and, and it's kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime thing where it's like, right. all right, we got to get down here. I think, I think that would be worth, uh, worth the effort to do. But... Um, what, what, uh, on my way back from Charlotte, I got sick from the flight. I got one of those plane bugs, mm-hmm. and I was down for two weeks after that. So I fell really behind on my, uh, my video editing and all this stuff, and I'm still playing catch-up. So that's why we're doing this podcast now and not immediately after the All-Star game because I was sick. It has nothing to do with you. Well, that works for me. I'll, I'll take it. Um, did you have any like random encounters of, of just NBA people that you saw at like Dunkin' Donuts or whatever? I don't know what they have at North Carolina. Bojangles, maybe. Like, <laughs> they that, do have Dunkin' Donuts. Do they? I know it's uh, an East Coast thing. That's why I said it. But that's always my favorite thing is if I'm somewhere where I know there's like an event going on, I love just a uh, little bit of people watching and just seeing who I see mixing it up in the city. You know, I didn't run into any players. Um, well, no. Okay, I did run into Blake Griffin. But that's, it, it's weird because I run into Blake Griffin randomly kind of all over the place all over the country <laughs> that's just he's uh he probably thinks i'm a stalker at this point which is not true at all i it's but what i remember he true. was looking at me um post the all-star game we were doing post-game media and blake griffin's like looking at me like looking at me <laughs> and i'm looking like i'm looking at him and i want to say something but you know he's surrounded by people but he he carries that he carried that stare for like eight seconds 
And it's because I ran into him at a restaurant in Beverly Hills. He's seen me in Sacramento every time he comes through. So um, I, I just, I just have a money guy everywhere. What's going on? Right. Probably a little bizarre. But um, yeah, no, I, I uh, around town, uh, what, what was exciting for me was running into NBA executives. I actually ran into two executives from the recently launched NBA Africa right before they made the announcement. Oh, cool. So that was uh, that was personally very exciting, and I can't wait to see what they do with NBA Africa. Don't they already have? I mean, I could be mixed. I know they have so many different uh, programs all over the all over the globe. Is that something new and different than what they already have over there? Because I know, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you it's, could probably talk about it better than I can. So why don't you go ahead? It's uh, it's basically they're, they're going to do a twelve-team league on the African continent, and the idea is to not let a EuroLeague situation spring up in Africa. The, the NBA wants, the, um, wants to have complete control over that league, so that way there's no contract disputes, there's no issues with importing players. And uh, it's, it's the right time. It's the right time for the continent. I had well. no... They're doing a league down there? I had no idea that was happening. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they'll stream that yeah. anywhere or something. They must. I mean, it's 2019. Everything streams everywhere, so I'm sure you can watch it somehow. But If any, if any of those guys are listening, you know, I'd, be, I'd love to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, that would be... That's a dream. That's a dream. Well, um, that's something that's uh, definitely uh, on my horizons, I think. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about that program. I think it's going to do well, and I think um, the Kings will will probably have a, some more African players coming through, some more continental African players. Um, is that everything from Charlotte? Did I miss anything? Is there a question I should have asked you that I didn't? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, that that's uh, that that's Charlotte. The only thing that uh, we didn't cover is uh, you know kind of the tail end of the season. Yeah, so here we are. The Kings did unfortunately fall out of the playoff race a little bit although i don't think anybody is sitting here any kings fan is sitting here like disappointed and upset at how the season's gone it's been a um shocking shocking success overall but um it, it, the season is over they did miss out you can't help but be a little disappointed that they didn't totally uh like break through and, and make the playoffs but you know it's been a great season overall for those guys how optimistic are you about this core moving forward i know we touched on it a little bit but um, is this the group to you that finally gets the Kings back into the playoffs and it isn't one of those false starts like we saw with Tyreek Evans or the DeMarcus Cousins era? Is, is this the crew? Yes, I, I, I do think they need that major piece. I don't know what that piece is going to be. I know fans are optimistic for like uh, a Kevin Durant signing, which I, I mean, come on, y'all. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's just a but, meme. I think that's just a meme right now. Okay, that, that, that's, it's a funny meme then, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I'm very excited about the core moving forward. I, there's a couple players that I, I do have questions about, whether they're going to be a part of that contending core that's going to be here maybe, ne- maybe next year, but definitely in two or three years. Um, like a Bogdan Bogdanovich, I, I don't know what his role is going to be in that, in that, uh, in that orchestra down the line, but we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see how the pieces uh, flow going into the next season. And I do think they need another star. I do think they need another shot creator. Um, but I do th- the core set up is set up for the modern NBA. Buddy Heald's setting things on fire. De'Aaron Fox is exactly the point guard that you want. Um, and Marvin Bagley, who who knew, who knew? Yeah, I mean Marvin Bagley's looked looked fantastic all year. Um, the only thing for him that gets me a little bit concerned, and it's not a it's not a huge concern, but it's something that I would obviously prefer wasn't the case. And I, I don't want to call him injury prone. It's only been one year, but. I feel like every time he's uh, 
was about to really break out and really get the full momentum behind him, a small injury takes him out for two weeks, and then he's out for a couple games. And, you know, I, I think there was, um, you know, I don't know if this is why he, he never ended up in the starting lineup, but I know he's had two very untimely injuries that uh, not only set his spot back in maybe the rotation, but also the Kings back, because when he went out both times, they, they lost some games that, that you know, I, I don't know if that would have propelled him into the playoffs if he never went down, but, you know, that's how important he has been to this team as a rookie, that they couldn't really afford to to play without him, and unfortunately those injuries took him out for for uh, several games this season. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but I do think in, uh, injuries in your rookie season, uh, light injuries like that where you get to sit out and watch the game, th- those can actually be helpful to the player's development. So um, I hope he's not injury-prone. I hope he works on those issues this summer and, and be- comes back a lot stronger uh, with with a body that can take some of those hits and some of those bounces. And I would also like to see him improve – I mean, he's got all the he's got all these tools to be an all-time shot blocker, and he mi- he misses the ball by inches every time. So I th- I feel like if he could just really improve his his timing, he could he could come back and be a two-block a game guy. So uh, Bagley, the sky's the limit for Bagley. I think he he really has the potential to be kind of one of those all-time rim runner guys. It's it's crazy. He's just his his instincts at, ni- at nineteen where when where the ball is coming off, where he needs to be, his footwork, the, the, the drawbacks for the shot blocking, some of the shot selections, and then when he puts his back to the basket and starts dribbling, I mean, that reminds uh, who who did we have uh, that did that a lot and they just turned the ball over all the time? Was it Mikey Moore? <laughs> I don't remember. The Kings have had a lot of members of their front court who turn the ball over a lot of times. <laughs> they, you know, a guy that just puts his back to the basket, takes two dribbles, and then like loses the ball. Like Marvin's done that uh, a number of times this mm-hmm. year, and it's just kind of like, you know, let's let's swing the offense around. But I'm I'm most excited about um, Marvin Bagley and Buddy Hield. I think De'Aaron's uh, hitting his trajectory is exactly as like what every kind of, what everybody would want. Um, so he's it's not exactly a shock to see him do good. But Buddy Hield and Marvin Bagley are the two guys that I think are wow. You could really hang your hat on their on them being successful players in this league. Yeah, the Buddy Hield one is almost like. Um... I don't know. The, the Kings found something there, and I, maybe I shouldn't say this, and maybe I should give the Kings a little bit more credit because they did trade DeMarcus Cousins, and they did specifically want Buddy Heald back, so they cl- clearly thought he was going to be something. But I know just personally, uh, as someone who really liked Buddy Heald at Oklahoma, this season he has surpassed all my expectations for him as a player. I mean, I thought he could be a starting shooting guard in this league, but the, the level of eliteness of his three-point shooting in an era where three-point shooting is one of the most important skills you can have on a basketball court, and the Kings have, you know, a top-five three-point shooter that you can say with certainty. You know, you might even want to call him, like, behind Curry, but, I, I you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to, uh, to shooters like Clay Thompson and the rest of those guys who have, had a, who, have, who have had been doing this a lot longer. This is Buddy Heald's one year really being up there on the elite, elite-level three-point shooter. But I didn't see... Didn't see that coming out of Buddy Heald. Just this level of production and this level of, uh, you know, eliteness at a, at a skill has been a huge, I don't want to say like found money for the Kings, but they, they got a huge, huge core piece and they didn't have to draft him, which is always a plus. You know what? And credit to Buddy because last year, I think a lot of Kings fans were thinking the same thing I was. It's like, oh crap, this is Marcus Thornton again, you know? And this year he comes back and he's basically Michael Red. 
and that's that's an insane jump. That's like an insane that that's jumping stratospheres. I would bet, and I'd be really interested to find this stat out now that I think of it. I don't know how you would even search for it, but the player to score the most buckets leading to a timeout out of any king this season, I would bet it's Buddy Heald because I have. I have such a burned into my brain image of Buddy Hield hitting a three, coach frustrating, calling a timeout. I'd be Tony, that's a great stat. That's any a great king stat. comes in before Buddy in like points leading to timeouts. I don't know how you can find that stat, but I'd be interested to see it. That's a great stat. If that's not measured, that should absolutely be measured. It that's a great stat. All right. Uh, Tony's in Paris, everybody. There we go. Come up. Statistician. Last thing, because I wasn't going to ask about this, and I probably should have had it on the outline, but when we mentioned Marvin Bagley's injuries, I should at least mention here that the Kings did shut down Harry Giles for the season. Granted, they shut him down with only five games remaining, so it's not like this, you know, I don't want to blow it into something it's not. At the same time, Harry Giles is a player who has missed significant time in his career due to leg injuries. And this specific injury, uh, they're calling a left thigh contusion, so... Nothing, uh, at least reportedly nothing, has to do with his, his injury history with his knees. But does this concern you at all with Harry Giles, this particular no. injury? No. No. I've had, I've had thigh contusions before. He, he could probably play if he, if he really wanted to, but it's like, why? You know, why? Yeah. You know? I totally, yeah. <laughs> no, everything that people are saying, if those are the, the facts in this case, then I have no worry at all. But I can't help myself with Harry Giles Especially because he looked like the one good thing about Marvin Bagley's injuries is that it did give Harry Giles extended playing time. And I thought at the se- in the second half of the year, Harry Giles started looking fanta- like fantastic. And I thought in the beginning of the year, he did not look like that. He was not composed. He was playing way too fast. He could not find a rhythm. And he actually fell out of the rotation completely there for a little while. But Marvin Bagley goes down. Harry Giles stepped up. And Harry Giles started looking like a real, real interesting NBA prospect. So seeing his season get shut down um, didn't bother me too much because, like I said, it's only five games. Who really cares? But it did that little, again, that little injury-prone thing did tick off in my head where it's like, oh, man, I hope this guy can stay healthy. I just hope he can stay healthy. Me too. And I'm glad you brought him up because there's a lot of Harry fans out there. And I, and I realized through the podcast, oh, we didn't talk about Harry yet. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. He's, he, he's one of those special pieces. I think he's... Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Nikola Jokic in a way, like a, a light, like Jokic light or skinny Jokic. They, they have very similar game styles. But um, I, he's one of those guys that just can, can move the ball, move the offense. He can run the offense through him. He's not going to turn the ball over too much. I mean, he did, he did sometimes this season. I, he had one game, I think, he had six turnovers. I forget. But um, the future's bright for Sacramento, especially if the All-Star game can come through by 2024. Wouldn't that be amazing? And uh, I had... I. I had a blast. I had a blast this season. I had a blast at the All-Star Game, and I can't wait to do it again next year. All right, Kimani, why don't you tell everybody who listens to the podcast where they can find your work and where they can find you on the Internet? All righty. I'm at the Kamansta on Twitter and on Instagram. That's my, those are my personal accounts. Um, and then I'm at NBA Lensface on Twitter, Instagram. Um, and that's where you can find the pages that are dedicated to my Kings and NBA photography. And I also do a little sideshow through NBA Lensface um, on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, Kamani, thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. Uh, have a great day. I have one more question for you before you go. Who wins the Iron Throne? Um, I mean, I feel like it's, it's pretty... 
basic to say that I'm I'm definitely rooting for uh, some part of the Jon Snow camp to win this. If that's Jon Snow and Khaleesi, even better. If that's just Jon Snow, I'll take it. Um, but from a, a certain part of me, I almost feel like I can't say this out loud, but I have loved the Cersei character so much. Like, obviously she's an evil, evil person. They're writing her as an evil character, but she's so good at it. And the moves that she makes are so, like, jaw-dropping consistently that if, if she found a way to win this, it would be very bad for Westeros. I would not want to live in her kingdom, but that would be a... I, I would love to see how they do that because Cersei's character has been... Uh, they've just done such a strong job, I think, in, in building her character throughout all these seasons. She's Phil Jackson. That's who she is. Right. She's just the puppet master. She's got. She's always one step ahead. I hate to break it to you, man. Jon Snow is going to die. And uh, I think it's going to be Tyrion and Sansa on the Iron Throne at the end of it all. That would be an interesting move. Tyrion, Tyrion uh, as I guess you would call him king, would be an in- interesting move. I'd be for that. That's a Westeros I would live in. Like, there's, yeah. you know, there's a, I'd say most of the characters left, I would live in their kingdom. Besides Cersei. She's the one, like, uh, you, don't, you don't want her in charge. Anymore. Or, of right. course, the Night King. You don't want the Night King. Or you're on Greyjoy, you know. Right, uh, sure. Okay, so I guess there are a few. Well, Tony, thank you for having me on, man. I had a blast. Uh, anytime. I'm sure we'll talk to you at some point this summer and certainly into uh, the next however many seasons we're both still doing this. Absolutely, man. All right, see you, Kamani. All right, see you later. Bye.